Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you are new to the show, we have an episode every Monday streaming on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to, and you could tap in there. Just received news not that long ago that Awaken Podcast has ranked in the top 3% of podcasts in North America and around the world. And so thank you so much for tuning in, for subscribing, reviewing, pushing this out. So many amazing testimonies have come out of people sharing this with their church and their friends and everything. And so it is so awesome. The passion behind this podcast is Ephesians 5.14, awake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. He is awakening the hearts of his people to the beauty of Jesus, all that he has done for us, who we are in Christ, the tools that we have at our fingertips, the kingdom of heaven on the inside of us so we can destroy the works of the enemy and we can truly walk out our God-given purpose in the earth, in this time, in this hour. God is doing so much right now. He is calling his people to rise up and to take their place because the harvest is plentiful and we're called to co-labor with him in this time, regardless of Everyone's got a unique calling, and so God is speaking to our hearts. He's doing so much in the world right now. Um, I have a wonderful guest on the show with me today. Many of you may know who she is. We're talking about the wild love of God today, which is is the gospel. It's the core. It's everything. And so um, my guest today is Lisa Bavir, and she has spent more than three decades empowering women of all ages to find their voice, their identity, and their purpose. She's a best-selling author of many books some of you guys may know and have read, Without Rival, Adamant, um, Godmothers, Strong, Lioness Arising, Girls with Swords. And so she is an international speaker. Um, her and her husband, John Bevere, they co-founded Messenger International, a beautiful organization committed to making disciples. They've released millions and millions of books freely around the world, all over the world. Um, to so many people in over a hundred different languages. And so they are committed to discipleship. They have a powerful ministry that has touched my life and my family's life in a big way. And so thank you, Lisa, so much for joining me on the show. Wow. I mean, I'm just getting excited at your preaching at the very beginning. Congratulations. <laughs> I believe it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to awaken. That's so right. I love that. That's I love right. how you positioned all of this, Michael. Oh man, it is so good. And you and your husband, I got saved in 2008 and the first book, and I told you a little bit before the podcast, um, and you know, we talked about, we talked about Italy. We talked about a couple of different things, you know, you being Italian. We bonded bonded on Italy. We bonded for sure. Yes. But, um, I told you that the first book that I, um, the first book that I read was by your husband, John Bevere, Drawing Near. And since then, uh, his books, your books have been a staple in my household and even your podcast, uh, conversations with Lisa and John. And um, one of your books, uh, me and my wife, we actually read together. I think our first few months of uh, being married was the story of marriage. And yeah. um, you and your husband are what I, I, I love a lot of things. Okay. But one thing I want to highlight right now is the fact that you guys are so vulnerable on your podcast in your books, story of marriage about the different things that you guys went through in the beginning of your marriage, what you guys still go through with your kids, raising children, all of that. That has given me a lot of hope, that has strengthened me to stand up and take my place as a husband and to be who I need to be for my wife. And so vulnerability really marks you guys in a big way. Obviously, with revelation of the word, huge, huge on the word, always teaching the word. But the fact that you guys are so vulnerable is such a blessing. Well, thank you. And and I do believe that people, when we are vulnerable, they they feel safe 
So we, people connect with us on our struggles and then they allow us to lead them with our strengths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And people, a lot of times they say, oh, you know, John and Lisa, they have a perfect marriage. Nothing ever goes wrong. Look at these guys. God's using them in a huge way. And then people look down on themselves and they look up to, to the people at the platform and everyone knows their name. And it's so refreshing to know, okay, wow, their marriage needed some work and they had, and they had a process that, that they committed to. They needed to learn humility. They needed to learn how to love one another. And it just gives a lot of people so much hope, I think. Yeah. And, you know, John and I, this is the greatest thing. We love each other more now than we when we actually got married. We enjoy time together more now than when we first got married. And, and you know, you don't marry somebody because you don't like them. So, I mean, we did like each other, but we were committed to growth. And we had people, Michael, that came alongside of John and I and said, we're not okay with you becoming just one of many ministry casualties. We don't care how many books you sell. We don't care how many meetings you do. We want to know if you are rightly related to one another. Wow. And we want to know that you're rightly related to God. And uh, this is one of our, our board members. What they actually did is they said, we're going to make sure that you're telling us the truth. Mm -hmm. And they went to our children. Wow. So they would go to our kids and say, how are your parents interacting with one another at home? And, and our boys were like, wait, is this tattling? Is this dishonoring? I don't know what's going on. But literally our boys would say, well, you know what? <clears throat> they're, they're really wrestling with how much uh, travel they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so like our board would come and say, all right, this is what your kids are saying. You guys are traveling too much. Or this is becoming a challenge that Lisa's traveling more. And what are we going to do? How do we bring a solution to that? So I feel like John and I had the incredible benefit of seeing other people not do it well and then say, how are we going to make sure? Because, you know, Michael, I would love to think I would never mess up. I would love to think that John would never mess up. But we have learned that people can start off really good and end up really stupid. Yeah. So we didn't want to do that. We're, we were okay with starting stupid and ending up smart. That was kind of, <laughs> that was kind of our approach. How long have you guys been married? We've been married 40 years. 40 years. Isn't that crazy? That's 40 amazing. years. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. My parents, we just celebrated their 50th anniversary. They love Jesus more than they ever have and love each other more than ever. Such a wonderful example. Um, and another, another thing we are going to talk about your book. Um, I just, yeah. you know, we're talking about your book fiercely love today. But one thing I really love about you guys, because I'm married a very strong woman with a powerful call of God in her life. I met her in Mozambique, Africa with Heidi Baker's ministry in the mission field. Wow. Okay. And she is a teacher. She's a prophetic voice. My wife's a passionate woman. And, um, you know, and I know that God's called us to do ministry together. It's not mm -hmm. just, you know, my ministry and she's, you know, supporting. She does support. And there were seasons, especially with having our littles, where she brought so much support. But even now we're rising up and doing it together. And I just love seeing how your husband has championed you so well. He just speaks so highly of you and he just gives you your place and you rise up and you guys are running together and doing, you know, you, you guys do it really well. So you have been an example for, for us in that way. Well, we're incredibly honored. And, you know, we had to fight to do it well. John and I did decide, hey, we can either be an example of how not to do something. I mean, every single day of my life and your life, we have a choice to be an object lesson or an example. Wow. And we said it will be harder to do it together, but it will be better 
if we work this out. And so, you know, we had a lot of hard conversations. We had a lot of people come into our lives and, and give us some of the tools that we needed. And we had, you know, we had people that were like, oh, no, no, you both can't be in the ministry. Only one person can be in the ministry. But here's the thing. I believe in these last days, God is calling not just couples, but he's calling families. That's right. One of the one of the visions that we had for our family was out of Isaiah. I don't know how many people understand that Isaiah was, of course, a prophet, mm-hmm. but so was his wife. Yeah. And, and there was this time where Isaiah would prophesy and his wife would write it down. And I just feel like that, that was a call for John and I that we were going to do it well together. And like you said, Michael, sometimes there's seasons where the husband is, is out more and the wife is grounding everything at home. And there's other times where maybe they're both out. But I will tell you, you will never regret sewing into your kids. And, and when I stayed home, when John was traveling, I'm so thankful because I had such an opportunity to talk to my boys about the things of God. And then John would always bring home what he'd experienced to our children. And so they always felt part of it rather than that he was taken away from them. Yeah. And that's key. And we have got two beautiful children. You know, my daughter's turning seven, my son's turning four, and the Lord has spoken to us very clearly about their destiny. And we've Mm -hmm. had dreams about our kids being involved in what we're doing. And um, just seeing your sons serve Messenger International and, you know, have their podcast and everything that they're doing, you guys are doing it together as a family is wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. I love it. And so I want to talk about your book. I have a copy of it right here. Fiercely loved God's wild thoughts about you. And so this is a devotional here. It's beautiful. First of all, just this book in general, hard copy, beautiful, but it's a devotional that is focused entirely on the love of God. And I like the language you use, fiercely loved, God's wild thoughts about you, fierce, wild. These are words that you use throughout this book. Give us a little bit of a framework on why you use those words and and kind of your, your, your heart behind this. Well, I kind of feel like people have become almost tone deaf to the love of God. Mm. They're like, oh yeah, Jesus loves me, this I know, so the Bible tells me so. And I'm not mocking that, I'm just saying it's, it's lost its wonder for them. Mm-hmm. They, they actually, they know it, but they don't believe it. And I think a devotional was important because I wanted it to go from their head to their heart. Yeah. And so I thought if I take language that is unexpected, then I can open up something that has lost its wonder. And, and you know, the back of the book says, it's time that you change the way you think God is thinking about you. Because most people feel fiercely judged, not fiercely loved, fiercely shamed, yeah. not fiercely loved. They, they, if, you know, they might feel tolerated, like God's like, well, my son died for you, so I have to love you, but I'm not really engaged with you. I'm not really excited about your prayers. I'm critical of them. I don't really want a relationship with you. It's just what I have to do. You know, so I felt like it was incredibly crucial that we put it out there. And, you know, I love, I love my grandkids. I have a fierce love for my grandkids. I am a high protector and motivation. You, you can attack me. You attack my daughter-in-laws, you attack my husband, you attack my children, you attack my grandbabies. That's when you're going to get in trouble. You attack my (laughs) friends, 
that's when you're going to get in trouble. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually okay with taking hits, but here's the thing. As fierce as I think I am, mm-hmm. nothing compared to the way God feels about us. There is absolutely nothing indifferent. There is absolutely nothing accidental. When God says, like a mama bear robbed of its cubs, like a lioness, I'll tear your heart out. He was talking about his protective feeling towards his people. And so fierce and love, I wanted to put those together because the love of God isn't just this emotional thing. God is love. I have love. He is love. And that love is also a consuming fire. So that love will actually consume what would make us unloving, unlovely, unmake us. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. The Bible says he's an all-consuming fire. And I believe that fire represents his passion, his love. And like you said, it burns away everything that harms us, that could, you know, attitudes or different things that can come out of us that can harm other people because he's such a good father. He loves us and he wants to heal us. He doesn't want us broken. He doesn't want us trapped in bondage. He doesn't want any of that for us. He's passionate about our freedom to the degree of sending his son and his son saying yes to the end, dying on that cross. And so I love that you talked about how love you know, we could understand it theologically in our head, but we need to know it in our heart An experiential, intimate knowledge of his love. The Bible talks about the father loving Jesus and he loves us in the same way that the father loves Jesus. Like that is mind blowing right here. <laughs> like, wait, you love me. You love Michael. The same way that you love Jesus. Now, I, I'm okay with you just say, well, I, I love you one eighth of the way that you love Jesus, <laughs> yeah. but that is not what it says. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't think we major on that enough. You know, I, I want to just kind of um, step back because we're living in a time period where God is shaking some things. Mm-hmm. He's shaking. And the imagery that I got was when they pan for gold. How, how you would take the pan and you would allow uh, a sifting of the lesser particles and it would reveal the gold. And I feel like God is sifting, he is shaking, and he is shifting. Wow. And when he begins to shift something, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, we got to get people restored back to ministry. Well, I'm sorry. Let's restore them back to the heart of God. That's right. Let's restore them back to their their wife, their husband, their children, their family. Let's restore them back to a relationship, not a platform. That's good. And, and I feel like we've gotten really confused where we have an acknowledgement of the love of God. But if it is not exciting to us, it's possible that we have never had an experiential encounter with the love of God. And, you know, I feel like more and more, we do not foster that in the church. I mean, Michael, there were times for me in the presence of God where I would feel so immersed in the love of God that nothing else mattered, that there was, there was room for the Holy Spirit. There was songs that created an atmosphere and a presence of worship. You know, when, when John and I were first married, we had one son. It was, uh, I, I want to say it was probably late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a song that was super popular during the time, beautiful song. It was, um, you know, all consuming fire, your, my heart's desire, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and I would sing it. It felt like a prayer. 
And then there was another song, Take Me Into the Holy of Holies, Take Me In by the Blood of the Lamb. And I remember those songs began like a prayer for me. And, and I said, God, I want you to, to use me. I want you to use me to do these different things for the ministry. I want you to use me for your glory. That was how everybody was praying. And, and Michael, I remember a moment where the Holy Spirit interrupted me. Mm. And he said, Lisa, have you ever been used by a friend? And I thought, yes. And he said, how did you feel? I said, I, I felt betrayed. Mm. Have you ever been used by a boyfriend? I was like, wait, you're not supposed to remember that. Mm-hmm. He said, how did you feel? I felt abandoned. Mm-hmm. I felt rejected. I felt shamed. I felt dirty. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, I don't use people. I anoint them. I heal them. I transform them. I conform them to my image. The enemy uses people. And he said, who you are to me is more important than what you would ever do for me. And I think right now, God is saying, I want to solidify who I am and who you are to me, to his children. Let's get this right. Let's get this right that you are my son, you are my daughter that I am fiercely in love with. We have to look back. We have an example of this, Michael. When Jesus comes to be baptized at the River Jordan, Mm -hmm. he really hadn't done anything yet. So he comes and he says, I'm going to do, I'm going to submit to what should be done at this moment? I'm going to be baptized by my cousin, John. And we hear the voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so I don't think we understand that God is saying, not only are you beloved, but he is well pleased, well pleased. Like he's not, you know, and again, I think a lot of times when we look at gender issues, we think, well, you know, I'm, I feel uncomfortable in my body or I feel uncomfortable as a female or I feel uncomfortable as a male. Well, first and foremost, God never calls us male and female. He calls us son and daughter. Mm-hmm. He calls us according to a relational dynamic yes. that we don't even understand, that reaches deeper, that heals what might be broken. I had somebody say to me, if, if Jesus was sitting here with my friend who feels like she was born in the wrong body, what would he say to her? And I would say, he would say, you're not a mistake, but your body right now is just a seed because who you really are is going to come up in eternity. Yeah. And I don't know why we think that this life is the be all end all, or that we would ever feel comfortable here in this vapor realm. We were created for another realm for an eternity. And I believe that love is what walks us into that space. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of people being very loud about what they are against and very quiet about what they are for. Mm -hmm. God is for truth. He is for love. He is for freedom. He is for justice. And here's what's happened. We live in a day and a time where the church for too long preached truth without love. So now the culture has responded by preaching love without truth. Mm -hmm. But love without truth is a lie. Mm -hmm. And truth without love is harsh. So we have to awaken to what it looks like to live the truth in love. And that begins first and foremost with me receiving 
God's love for me, independent of how I feel in any given moment. You know, Michael, I am I am 62, which means recently I went through menopause. Mm. And menopause is a season where a crazy woman lives in your brain. And she <laughs> says things like punch your husband in the face, throw a fit on the airplane, start yelling. And I had to say, no crazy woman, no crazy woman, you are not going to take over my behavior. See, we live in a time period that's going to require that we renew our mind. Mm -hmm. And we renew our mind by reading the word of God. Mm -hmm. And as we read the word of God, it begins to read us. Mm -hmm. And what happens is it rightly divides. Because we live in a day and a time where a lot of things sound right, but feel wrong. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to rightly divide between thought and intent, joint and marrow, soul and spirit. We gotta, we've got to be a people who are discerning, who are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrap. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about having these encounters with the love of God where you're in a moment of worship and you're experiencing the love of God. That's not just for a Lisa or a John Bevere. That's not just for a Heidi Baker or a Bill Johnson. That is for every single person in this world, every single individual. He so loved the world that he gave his only son and he wants us to feel his love. He wants us to know his love in a deep way. And a lot of the times we're afraid to come to him because of false perceptions of God, lies that we've believed. We feel ashamed to come to God. There's a lot of religious notions that keep us distant from God in our heart and our mind. And that's why it's so important to know the word like you're talking about, to know how God feels about us, to know how he thinks about us, to get these invitations of draw near to God and he will draw near to you, to receive these truths from the word so that we can be comfortable and confident to approach his throne of grace, to receive mercy and to find grace to help in times of need. And that's really what this book does. It's filling the people that, is, that are reading the book with the knowledge of the word of God. And I know that you pray that as they read the word, as they read the word, that revelation, the spirit of revelation awakens their hearts to come into this experiential knowledge of him. And there's a lot of religious pressure to, like you said, have a platform, do the stuff, preach a word, go out there. But first things first, eternal life is to know him and to know yeah. the one whom he has sent. The reason why I want to obey him and I want to do the great commission and I want to lay hands in the sick and I want to pray for people and I want to share the word of God is because I know the heart of the great commissioner and I've encountered his love and I get to do it hand in hand with him and his presence never leaves me and I get to be refilled by him every day, receive from him every day. And that is the most important thing knowing him and walking with him and then everything else, our obedience, the sacrifices we make, the things he asks us to give up, the things he asks us to do become a byproduct, which is so important. We're putting the cart before the horse a lot of the time and you yeah. really refocus people on identity and receiving his love so that they could be empowered to go and do what God's called them to do. Yes. And I love that you touched on the identity thing. <clears throat> you know, John and I have had the privilege of going all over the world. And sometimes when we come back in jet lag, it's a little crazy. <laughs> and we had gone to South Korea and it was like a really quick turnaround. I mean, we did carry on only to South Korea. And I remember coming back, I'm working on my laptop on the manuscript Girls with Swords and I fell asleep. I know that because I woke up eight pages later of the letter T and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go lay down. <laughs> and as I was falling asleep, I heard, I do not love my children 
equally. I mm. love them uniquely. Mm. And I thought, wait a minute. Did I bring home a blasphemy spirit from South Korea? God, you have to love us all the same. If you don't love yeah. us all the same, it wouldn't be fair. Mm. And I heard same implies that one of you are replaceable. Mm. He said equal, says that my love could be measured. He said, I don't love my children equally. I love them uniquely. Mm. And when I jumped off my bed and looked up the word unique, it means soul representative of, wow. prototype, and without rival. <laughs> so God loves each of us, Augustine says, St. Augustine said, as though there was only one of us. <laughs> and I, I think that we've gotten so comfortable with the label of the many that we have lost the wonder of the one, <laughs> that he loves each of us as though there was only one of us. And, and I want to extend an invitation to the people that are listening because they're, they're thinking, well, you know, I, maybe, I, maybe you like felt a moment when they're singing songs or, but I want to, I want you to know that God wants to speak to you. Yes. He wants to manifest his presence to you. Yes. And if you just pause, because every time I've tried to work it up, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's, it's when I, surrender and I receive. And, and I just say, God, I want, I want to know your love because if I know your love, I can show your love. And I think a lot of times people are ministering out of a love for the word, mm -hmm. but not a love for people. Mm -hmm. And so we have to get God's heart for other people, or we will preach the word as a sword that beats people up rather than what sets them free. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that so much. And you know, for me, I um I went through, you know, when I got saved, I encountered the love of God and he ravished my heart in such a in such a powerful way. Um but a lot of my a lot of my prayer time consisted or a lot of my thought process was I need to hunger for God. I need to seek God. I'm the one I need I want to please God in everything that I do. I'm thirsty for God. And all of that is biblical and all of that is beautiful. But when God began to I, I always believed he loved me and I knew how to experience his love, but when I wasn't lining up and when I wasn't doing everything that was in my heart, wasn't reading the Bible enough, wasn't, you know, checking the box, like, you know, praying as much as praying for people like Smith Wigglesworth or reading the Bible as much as Heidi, you know, the, all these different people, I would, I would condemn myself and it was very performance-based. I believe he loved me, but I didn't believe he liked me. And I didn't wow. believe he was passionate and his pleasure over my life. And it was transformational for me when I stopped focusing on my love for him, but started obsessing over his love for me. When I stopped focusing on how much I seek him and I realized he's the one that seeks me, that yeah, on the, on the cross, Jesus said, I thirst because he thirsts for me. And then that, it, it, it empowered my pursuit of him. And that was life. -changing. I feel like so many people are just focusing on what they're doing to get closer to God, their love for him. But if we can get a paradigm shift there, it, it transformed my life. Well, and if, and if people are listening and thinking, I don't, I just don't know, Michael, I don't know if that's right or not. I, you know, David was called a man after God's own heart. And listen yeah. to what David wrote in Psalm 139. He said, how precious are your thoughts about me, mm -hmm. oh God. 
He didn't say, how precious are my thoughts about you? He said, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. So what that's telling us is that God has good, precious. And and I even want to go as far as mind-blowing, wild, untamed thoughts Mm. about you and I. Mm-hmm. Thoughts of good. That, uh, and again, you know, I'm not talking about just thoughts of this world or thoughts of things. I'm just like, I'm going to astound Michael with my faithfulness today. Yeah. I'm, and he's going to step out and I'm going to meet him at this place. He has good treasured thoughts that are innumerable about you and I, and they are constant. Mm-hmm. When David said, and when I wake, you are still there with me. It means that I don't have to pray to have God involved in my life first thing in the morning. He's already involved. He's he's there. And I think prayer becomes this acknowledging of God. Mm. I mean, you look at David, he's like, wow, look at the stars. Wow, look at this. He's interacting yeah. with the things that God has created. Adam named everything. God brought it to Adam. Adam named and related to those things. I feel like we need to bring people. We need to bring the wonder. You know, John and I are living in in, uh, Franklin, Tennessee right now. And we've lived in Colorado for a very long time. And in Colorado, it was very dry. It was very desolate, alpine desert. Mm. John and I are in wonder about the green. We're like, look at it. It's green outside. Oh my gosh, the grass is green. And it's only June. Well, Colorado, I'm talking about late June, maybe you have green. We are in awe. And that's part of that constant awareness and thankfulness, you know, that we are always saying, oh, Father, you are so good. You know, I'm just so thankful. And I think a lot of times we lose sight of, you know, it's all performance now. God, you know, God saved me by grace, but now I got to perform to keep it. No, if we could have done it, he wouldn't have sent his son. So I think a, a lot of times we need a revelation of the love of God. And then that revelation of the love of God empowers obedience. That's right. So it isn't just, oh, he loves me so I can do whatever I want. I can sleep with whoever I want to sleep with. I can get drunk. I can be careless with even the word. But when the word becomes a duty, I think sometimes you need to go outside for a walk and listen to worship music. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, the apostle Paul said it this way. He said, the love of Christ compels me. And even, you know, the apostle John, he said, we are to obey his commandments, but in his love, his commandments aren't burdensome. It's what I want to do. I'm, I'm like, I can't, I can't even imagine a life where I'm not obedient to his commandments and I walk in his word and I love my neighbor because I'm so filled with the love of God. And when you truly experience the love of God, you want to obey him. You don't have to obey him. It, it, it marks you. It's, it's transformative. His love marks us in such a way where we realize he's so much better than anything this world has to offer. Your, your way is so much better than my way. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And so I, what I cut, what I feel right now is there's a lot of people hearing this and they're saying, yes, I've known for years. I need to abide in his love. I've known for, you know, I hear people talking about the love of God in such incredible ways, but they feel like they are maybe on the outside looking in, like maybe dry, burnt out. They don't really feel that close connection with God. They don't feel that intimacy with God. And 
You know, maybe they see God as a harsh God. Maybe they, you know, because of their upbringing, they don't see God as a kind father, a father that could love us in the same way he loves Jesus and all the different things we're talking about today. Um, I know this book shatters so many of those lies. This devotional will really dive in. There's so much word that will shatter those lies. But what would you say to those people that just feel absolutely stuck right now and they have no clue how to climb their way out of it? Well, the beautiful thing is God is as close as our very next breath. I mean, he is, he is present and all you have to do is ask. And, you know, for me, there came this divine dissatisfaction, Michael, my husband Mm -hmm. was in the ministry. We we were young. We had a, a child. And I remember thinking, I know about God and I, and I know he loves me, but I don't know that I know him. And I want, I want to know his voice. Mm. I want to know his voice the way I know when my child is crying, even though I can't understand what they're saying. I know whether that my son is scared or hungry or tired. I want to know that tone and temper and uh, relationship and environment with God. And so I really, I really pressed in through journaling. Mm. Um, I'm easily distracted And so I started keeping journals and I would say, you know, Father, you said in your word that my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger, though not here. I don't know if I know your voice and I want to know your voice. (laughs) And as a young mother, the biggest gift I could offer was sleep. I said, you can even wake me up in the middle of the night, but don't be silent. (laughs) And so I would encourage you that there is a promise and God wants to speak to you more than you want to hear from him. That's right. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Pause, ponder, listen for his voice. I write it in a journal because, you know, I'm going to be very careful with when I say God said, Mm -hmm. but I can write in a journal what I feel like he's saying to me. And then the other thing is music is a big deal for me. If there's certain songs that have just the, the beautiful, beautiful anointing of the presence of God, yeah. you know, and I would just ask you to just get alone, free from all distractions, put on songs of worship, let it just wash over you and just be still and know, and just what you hear, receive it. And I, I just think too many people don't create any space in their life for that. Yeah, And those pauses in the presence of God, Michael, have marked me more than any, yes. even than any service I've been to. Yes. And one thing that your husband said, I believe it's in his book, uh, Drawing Near, that, that has kept me for the past 14 years, it constantly comes back to me, is you hunger for what you feed on. Yeah. You hunger yeah. for what you feed on. And so yeah. many of us, hey, listen, these things might not be evil in and of themselves. They just may be distractions, but... If the enemy can get us in blatant sin, he'll throw a little distra- he'll throw a little distractions in there to keep us from that place. In Song of Solomon two, it says that catch for us the foxes that come in while while our vineyards are in blossom. These little distractions that come in, and you know it's you know maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's sports, maybe it's who knows things that aren't bad in and of themselves. Maybe we're just entertaining ourselves, you know, because life's so busy and we just want to escape for a minute. But it's even just those little sacrifices. For me, just recently, God spoke to me and said, when you're in your truck, when you're driving, I I got used to just listening to things that would entertain me. I would tap into sports. I would do this or I'd do that. Are those things necessarily sinful? No. But the Lord said, make your truck a sanctuary for me. 
And so I began to say, you know what, Jesus, absolutely, 100%. I pushed those things aside that I was just uh, entertaining myself, and I would put on worship music, and I would just spend time with the Lord as I was driving, and I would meditate, and I would pray in the Spirit, and I would listen to the Bible, and I would worship the Lord, and it became such a safe place and such a place where I received, I got filled up for my day so I could beam Jesus, so I could be Jesus out there in the world. That time's so important, and so even if it's little things, like you said, Lisa, I feel like just carving out time, whether it's less time on my phone, less time sleeping, less time on Netflix, all of those things, I'm giving this time to you. God honors that. He honors that. And, and I want to highlight what you just said. I did that a lot with my boys mm-hmm. where I would be, there would be worship music going on in the car and literally it would like the, the presence of God would have filled the car and I'd be singing mm. and crying and I'd look over and there's my 13 year old son doing the same thing. Mm. So we want to create atmospheres yeah. in our home for the presence of God. Yeah. We want to honor the presence of God. Uh, we want to make it easy to access, not yes. hard. Yes. And um, I've learned that my children follow what I model, mm-hmm. not what I say. Mm-hmm. And so we want to model a pursuit of the presence of God. We want to model honoring the things of God. We mm-hmm. want to model humility. Yeah. We, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times as a mother I've come out, uh, you know, my kids were little and said, I was just in prayer and I need you to hear this. I'm sorry. Mm. I was harsh with you Mm. and I should not have been harsh. Mm. And I would tell my kids, listen, when I misbehave as a parent with, with disciplining you, God disciplines me. Mm. And you know what? That made them realize that I was answerable to God. And that God, the father was watching out for them, that I didn't have the right to punish them. I was in their lives to discipline, to, to train them, not hurt them, not vent my anger on them. And so anytime I mishandled that, I would go to my kids and, you know, uh, one of our oldest sons said uh, to somebody that had asked them, how did your parents raise four boys that all love God? He said, our parents always own their mistakes. Wow. Now, wouldn't it be nice if he could have said, oh, our parents were perfect. That's not <laughs> what he said. He said, our parents own their mistakes, which is humility. Well, that's the issue. You know, a lot of people see uh, their parents act one way in church, completely different at home, and they see the hypocrisy and they want nothing to do with that. But when they see real people that love Jesus um, that know how to be like, you know what, son, that wasn't right. It's just, it's just authenticity that the, that the human heart craves so much. They saw a real authentic relationship with God, not something fake and polished or something hypocritical or, you know, so that's, that's awesome. And I want to, I take that for myself as well, for my children. That's my, that's, that's our desire too, my wife and I. And so how can people, how can people get a copy of this book? I want them to know more about your ministry, where they can go online. I'll put the, uh, the links in the description, but also about Messenger International. Give us a little update on your ministry and how they can connect. Yeah. So Messenger International is an organization committed to raising up uncompromising followers of Jesus Christ to actually turn around and reach out to the world. So we believe in discipleship. That is our major focus. And so we developed an app. Uh, that launched in, I think, 2020, 2021, something like that, Mm. that is free. It's a discipleship app called Messenger X. 
And it has over 115 languages on it. We have everything from marriage courses to drawing near to bait of Satan to girls with swords, things from our sons, short films, things for youth, things for children. And we just felt like God said, freely you receive, freely give. And so today, I think it's in over 1,600 cities, over 250 nations. Which I didn't even know there was that many and in 116 languages wow. and we're getting ready to add more. So that's our outreach because we believe you should cast bread on waters that, that you actually don't even get to swim in, just mm-hmm. throw it out there. And then, you know, John and I travel and speak. We've had the incredible privilege of writing books and ministering for uh, over like almost four decades, um, mm. like 35 years, I think we figured it out. And um, I have a number of books. They all sound like they're violent uh, from when you're reading it. I was like, <laughs> swords, godmother. But uh, so we have Instagram is just under Lisa Bevere. Yeah. And I have a lisabevere.org that has my traveling and speaking schedule. Of course, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but I always think everybody's nicer on Instagram. So. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Well, thank you so much. Um, honored to have this conversation with you. Love what you and your husband and your entire ministry is doing. And it's great to take the time this afternoon to have this conversation with you. Yeah. And I forgot to say they can get fiercely loved on Amazon. I think that is the best place to get it. If yeah. they try to get it from me, I will charge them for shipping, but Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Even messengerinternational.org, lisabevere.com. We'll put all those links in the description section so it's easily accessible. And so thank you for spending time with me. Awesome talking to you. It's, it was my delight, Michael. <laughs> thank you so much. For those who are watching via YouTube, thank you so much. If you are listening to this podcast right now, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed, they can be strengthened, they can be awakened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless you, and I'll speak to you next time on Awakened Podcast. <laughs>Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org. 
DestinyImageOtl.org, or you can go to DestinyImage.com. The audiobook is available as well on Amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at DestinyImage.com. And so bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.